Mark, now I know your mom is a little youngish, like for a mom. No, she isn't. Uh, <laughs> for a mom of like a nearly 45-year-old man. Like she's only in her like mid-60s, right? She's fucking 75 in a couple of weeks. Oh, I thought she was in her 60s. Never mind. This is great. This makes things better. Okay. So your mom is, I thought she was like a decade younger than that. No, fuck no. Okay. Normal-aged mother. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> that means that as such, uh, like your grandparents would have been like adults during World War II, right? Uh, yes. Uh, that's Yes. Yes, they would have. Did, did they ever like, so, and were, they're from Wales? Mm, yep. Did they ever talk to you at all about World War II? Nope. Not never, not, never not. heard any of their experiences. <sighs> um, I'm really, really racking my brains here. F- for, with the usual caveats, I have no memory. I have no long term. I have no memory. True. Really. I've That's got memento point. guy syndrome. <laughs> yes, uh, right. But uh, no, I don't. I don't remember ever being sat down and gone. Now then, this is remember. This was the war, and this is what we did. I, <laughs> I simply don't remember any of that. No. Where in Wales? would your grandparents have come from so uh reasonably sure that they they didn't really venture far afield from where they were born so it would have been yeah the the south wales valleys Tredegar, uh that kind of that kind of area okay but valleys yes basically it. yeah yes. no nowhere near the water essentially near uh, the coast like an hour's drive away yeah okay fair enough <clears throat> this this kind of makes sense. I will broach that a little bit later. But like the Welsh experience of World War Two obviously had a lot to do with like mining and stuff yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, um, But when it came to like you know worrying about like getting bombed or something like that, if you were in the valleys, you're probably not super worried about it as opposed to you know being in a port. City, of course, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Where sure. this kind of thing was happening. I was just really curious. Um, I think that's that's kind of funny that like they didn't pass that on. This also does feel like from everything that I've been reading about this kind of how British people are about this stuff. They're either going to talk about it constantly or you will never hear a word from yeah, them about yeah, yeah. it. It's yeah. one or the other. Um, that, that tracks, but, yes. <laughs> but growing up in America, I think like war is a bit abstract. Like I've certainly heard my grandmother's stories of World War II um, and she was here, but she was developing photos um, in a photography lab. She, I think I've mentioned it before, but she, you know, developed the first photos that came to America out of um, Buchenwald uh, concentration camp mm. um, when she was <laughs> kind of lied her way into this job that, you know, she was 17 and you weren't supposed to be able to do that yet. Um, and thus, you know, saw these images before anyone had ever seen them in america before um but like even knowing her stories and things like that like the only wars on our soil have basically been with ourselves (laughs) like the civil war and the american revolution um in world war ii pearl harbor was attacked but that's not on the mainland u.s most of us have never been to pearl harbor like Mm. most americans have never been to hawaii at all for that Mm. matter um and it's so it was so unheard of to be attacked here that we still memorialize it every year is the the kind of the the uh, stereotype of Americans not generally kind of tra- traveling far outside their home state? Is that is that accurate or not? I think it depends. Mm. Um, it probably depends on like where you're from, right, 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 um, yeah. because I think you know a lot of Americans, especially in the past, like people road trip a lot here, so a lot of people 
will drive yes. to other places in the United States, you know, because like a, a lot of times like Europeans will be like, oh, Americans don't even have passports. But it's like our country is the size of so yeah. many yeah. Yeah. European yeah. countries or whatever. So I think people do like tend to go on vacations or whatever to other places in the United States. But like say somewhere like Hawaii, like that's a flight. You know, like you can't drive to Hawaii. Mm. It's a long trip and it's expensive once you get there. So if Hawaii yeah. was in my country, mm -hmm. I'd I'd want to go. If I could get to Hawaii just with, with a domestic flight, yeah. I would fucking a seven hour domestic flight. Mm, yeah, <laughs> that will cost you nine hundred dollars or oh. whatever. Like it is, it's expensive. It's okay. not a yeah, not an easy trip. Obviously, one that we do because our family lives there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but if it weren't for that, yeah, it's difficult to get to Hawaii. Okay. So, yeah, most people will never see Pearl Harbor in their lives. So it's very abstracted. Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Just sketch us. out the geography for me. Where is it? Uh, it's in Honolulu, which is on right. Oahu, I believe. Um, so it is a mid-sized Hawaiian island, uh, smaller than the big island, bigger than Kauai. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Small. Yes. Definitely very small, um, but a big city. Um, so, yeah, like, here we just don't really have, like, a huge connection with the idea of, like, war on our soil. Um, and so it's kind of, like, interesting and a little bonkers to me to think about the fact that like the UK absolutely did and that people who like your grandparents would remember this you know people who are alive today mm. <laughs> remember um, you know it I mean obviously fewer and fewer people uh, fit that because it's getting to be so long ago but there are people alive today who remember those mm. times um, at the height of the Blitz which lasted from September of 1940 to May of 1941, Germany was bombing the shit out of various strategic British cities. I uh, love that I'm getting schooled on World War II in Britain. <laughs> yeah, I like it's. I'm very. Feel free to interrupt too <laughs> no, and no, add no, anything no, no, no. you know. But yeah. I, like, this is obviously for our listeners. I assume you know <laughs> this stuff, but I'm gonna I'm gonna assume educate nothing. you today. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Uh, British cities getting bombed to fuck by Germany <laughs> during the Blitz, which lasts from September 1940 to May of 1941. And this was a shift from uh, Germany's previous strategy where they'd been sort of battling Royal Air Force um, sites directly, the RAF. And at that point, they had actually been at an advantage when they'd kept things to the RAF because... Britain was losing pilots and planes at a rate that was becoming somewhat unmanageable. Like, yeah, yeah. there's not an unlimited number of people to fly around fighting Germany here. So really, they were exhausting Britain's resources. But <laughs> Britain had been prepared for the bombing of civilian targets. So Hitler's decision to focus efforts that way, basically in retaliation for Britain bombing Berlin and making Germany look like doofuses actually ended up shifting the war effort in Britain's favor. Mm. But that obviously wasn't without some huge costs. So on the one hand, they because they'd anticipated that Germany would eventually switch to these tactics, there was a concentrated effort to get people, especially children, out of the cities. Mm -hmm. 
And Americans will be most familiar with this from stuff like the Chronicles of Narnia yeah, yeah. or Bedknobs and Broomsticks, yep. <laughs> which Railway center children. around yeah, center around children who are sent off to the countryside to avoid being bombed in London. I will say when I was a kid, I did not understand this. <laughs> like now that I'm an adult, I'm like, oh, that's what this is about. Like mm. I had no idea. I have seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks dozens of times <laughs> like i know that movie by heart and it wasn't until i was like 25 i was like oh shit yeah, yeah they're yeah. here because <laughs> they would die in london it's dark man <laughs> no, that that is um refugee children uh, that is covered to hell in schools that that gets oh i'm sure uh, uh, yeah you know you know creative writing exercises and oh wow yeah uh, I, I remember that quite clearly yes and i know the boys have done it too Oh, I love this. This is fascinating. Please tell me any things as we go of stuff that you learned about in school because you yeah. know I'm so interested in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're experiencing of experience of all this. If it didn't come from your grandparents, I want to know where you learned things. Um, so over the course of three days in 1939, 1.5 million civilians moved out to rural areas of the UK in what was called Operation Pied Piper. Meanwhile, in the cities, the government worked to erect bomb shelters as well as distribute what were called Anderson shelters. Do you know what those are? No. Okay. They seem nightmarish to me and kind of ineffective, but I'm not an engineer. Um, basically, what Anderson, shelter, Anderson shelters were were big sheets of corrugated steel that you would dig into your yard and cover with dirt. So basically, you're just like digging up a hole for you to be in putting some metal over it and covering it up with dirt. Um, and this, like, basically would help you to dodge debris and shrapnel, which apparently right, right, it was right, right, very right. effective at, at doing. Um, but you couldn't stay in there for, like, long periods of time. Because it's, it's like, a cold fucking hole and in the wet. ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a hole in the ground. It is literally nothing but a hole in the ground with metal over it. Um, but there was also another kind of shelter that they began distributing later on that was called a Morrison shelter. And that was essentially a cage that you could keep inside your house that would fit uh, two adults and two children and would make it so that if the house collapsed on you, you'd yeah. be shielded. Um, which sounds, I mean, terrifying. It's a great but, idea, though. It's like, a, yeah. like a, a, a safety box, isn't it? It's like a little... Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's like a little panic room, essentially, yes. just yes, in yes. the middle of your, your house. I love the um, idea of a panic room, by the way, and... I'd I'd love I'd love one if I was if I was to right. commission a house to to get built for me there would one hundred percent be a little secret room oh in absolutely there. I would love that mm. I have um one of my friends uh from like you know one of my best friends from growing up her husband is like a prepper mm. um and when they were buying houses they live in Texas. Uh, there was a house that was being sold in their neighborhood. Yes. Um, actually, they'd already bought a house. They were just looking at stuff in the neighborhood because they're curious. In fact, me and my friend used to do this when we were in high school. <laughs> she lived in like, you know, a mansion and the estate she lived in like often would have open houses and we'd just go in like teenagers, like looking around like we were going to buy a house. Um, <laughs> she and her husband still do this. Uh, and there was one in their neighborhood that had like a panic room oh, in it. So cool. And he was like, we have to buy this house. She was like, we, we're not buying another house just because it has a panic mm. room in it. And he was like, no, I think we need this house. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, this, I mean, obviously is a lot more rudimentary than a panic room, but it would be fun to have one. 
So they put all of these measures into place in 1939 and for the most part went about their business with the smattering of cinemas and sporting events and stuff like that still going and folks out and about using the parks and such. In fact, (laughs) the parks in like 1939 were like, and 1940, early 1940, were like popping. Everybody was going out and hanging out. Uh, This changed though on September 7th, 1940 when the Blitz officially began. At around 4 p.m., German bombers began an hours-long assault assault on London. And later, they came back and continued their siege through the night until around 4.30 a.m., leaving the city a fiery heap of rubble in many parts and killing 430 people in just one night. Understandably, (laughs) that day is referred to as Black Saturday, Mm. which I actually did not know. I had never heard that before. The bombing continued for 57 straight nights without a single 24-hour period sans bombing. And even after that, it went on for months, albeit with occasional days where nothing happened. But honestly, that kind of almost feels worse. Like, it it stops, and then you're like, when the fuck is this going to start again? You know? At this point, you're used to just being like, at night I go in my bomb shelter. (laughs) And now you're like, is it... Are they coming, or...? Mm. Um... So it went on for months while the Brits kept calm and carried on, continuing to go to work and maintain essential services around the city. In fact, none of the essential city uh, services like ever shut down for more than a few hours to be like put back together in yes. England. Go us. It's, <laughs> it's pretty wild if you think mm. about it. Um, and uh, Lond- Londoners were basically getting bombed in the morning, cleaning up and then getting back to their daily routine a few hours later. In November, the Germans expanded their bombing to other cities like Liverpool, Manchester, and Birmingham. And in 1941, they focused their efforts on ports like Bristol, Hull, Belfast, and Swansea. So, for sure, at least one Welsh city was getting pummeled at the time, maybe more. Um, April and May of 1941 saw the worst of the Luftwaffe attacks on London, with some 2,500 people killed in two major days-long air raids, and over 10,000 homes and buildings just wiped off the map instantly. Which is, well, which is a fucking wild thought. Isn't this, it? This fucking right? the country in which I now sit. Yeah, because and it's like, you know, it's been, what, 80 years or something like that Thereabouts, since then? I, I, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm back and forth London all the fucking time. It, right. It just doesn't compute. You'd never like to think of something this devastating. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. That this place is like flattened. It's burning down. All this kind of stuff. A, you can't see that now. They've completely, yeah, you yeah. know, rebuilt. Um, and B, yeah, the idea. Like, imagine you're then supposed to leave your family every day mm. and just keep going to BT, <laughs> training people on shit like nothing happened. Mm. That's a wild thought. Yeah, uh, and e- even even wilder still that it's a present day reality. Yes, absolutely. You know, like not, not so very far away from here. No, not at all. In multiple places at this particular moment, as we Indeed. speak, yes, people are dealing with this exact kind of stuff. Um, so <clears throat> it is in your nature sorry. to destroy yourselves. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the Terminator was right. Yeah, I say that all the time. Oh, I, I've. <laughs> I haven't told you this, but I've got tattoos on my buttock. (laughs) 
That's this week's cover photo for. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll fucking write it on there with a pen. I'll, I'll do it. I'm concerned you will. Uh, <laughs> so while there were what? <laughs> Nothing to tea. Okay, it's a little tetra scary. Yeah. Uh, while there were other sporadic air raids over the rest of the war, that May attack is considered the official end of the Blitz. It was never that intense again afterwards. And the people of the UK did their best to try to pick up the pieces and move on. After all of this, folks had become sort of accustomed to the intrusions of air raid sirens and were largely like almost hardened by them. Like, yeah, just, yeah, like yeah. Oh, there it is again. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't necessarily just go straight running to shelter when they heard one, but would sit and wait to see, like, what kind of siren am yeah, I hearing? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Is it a um, bad one? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, is it a test? Um, or they would, like, see if they heard planes coming as soon as it went off, and if they didn't hear any planes, like, eh, I'm sure it's fine. Um, and I remember reading somewhere a few months ago that sort of a fatalistic vibe came over many of the young people in London. Oh, I can certainly imagine, use, yeah, yeah, gallows humor. <laughs> and they would use air raids uh, as an excuse to, like, party and have sex in a sort of, like, macabre baby it's cold outside situation. <laughs> yeah. It was like if they went to a love interest place and a siren went off, it was just like, oh, oh guess I'm going to have to stay the night. <laughs> um, and, and in a sense, I feel like we can relate to that, right? Like, many of us don't have a great sense that there's, like, a future for us here yeah. in our climate crisis planet. So the urge to be kind of like YOLO about things yeah. is absolutely real amongst young people. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm certain we will have. I'm certain this is an observation we would have made before. But it's, I think, I think, our epitaph will be so incredible in that we saw it fucking coming. We knew it was happening. <laughs> right. Yeah. We knew it was happening, and fucking dickheads quibbled over data and you know denialists be denying yeah but just this fucking week um there was data uh about september being not just not just the hottest september on record by a little bit but like by or you know like yeah in increments of like a full degree And that it was like literally every single day. Yep. (laughs) It wasn't like there was never a point where it wasn't the hottest. You know, uh, and and so many many different news stories say the same thing in different ways. That the Mm -hmm. scientific community is stunned at how quickly. Right. We fucking knew. We saw it fucking happening and we didn't fucking change it. If... If if one fucking snippet of audio from this podcast survives in a post fucking cockroach, you know, when the cockroaches have evolved and are running the world, let it be this. We fucking knew it was happening and we We didn't do shit. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I did. This is obviously a tangent. But yeah, I did like a wisecrack video on this recently. And one of the craziest things about this is that like basically... You know, the scientists who initially, like, sounded the alarm of the... I mean, the first person to bring this up was in, like, 1890 or something like that. But, like, when it actually became a thing that, like, someone stood in front of a whole bunch of people and was like, this is a huge fucking problem. It was, like, the 50s or 60s. And basically, they set out that they were like, it's going to be this amount of years that we have, Mm. and then we're going to see this much warming. And we pretty much met that dead on, and then just... 
jumped yeah, blew on really through quickly. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, they it was exactly as predicted. And anyone who is like sitting there, like, oh, cycles and blah blah blah, it's like, no. If a scientist can look and go, our emissions are causing this, and we're gonna hit this degree of warming by this time, that's not a coincidence. What I am almost as excited about as the climate increase <laughs> is the societal collapse. Well, right, exactly. That I'm, I'm just really thinking, looking like, forward to. Look at this past week. Yeah. Last week when I went to New Hampshire. Uh-huh. Um, here, the rain was so bad that, like, the Asbury Park flooding was worse than Hurricane Sandy, which is usually our, like, bar for things in New Jersey. Like, yeah. that destroyed everything yeah, in this yeah, entire yeah. state. Um, the flooding was worse than Sandy. Uh, it was, you know, there are videos of like the New York City subway system just yeah, like sure. feet looking as though it's about to water. fucking collapse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. It looks like something out of a disaster movie. Like that kind of stuff is like, that's the societal collapse type shit that you're mm. seeing right there. Like, yep, yep, yep. It's cool. Just um, uh, so cool. Because, you know, <laughs> we're, we've constructed our society during a very very brief kind of window of comfort mm-hmm. and it's built to support and enable that comfort right so you know fucking colossal scales of like climate migration mm-hmm. and infrastructure collapse and dependence right. on oil all of that stuff is just kind of mixed up and it makes it impossible to kind of extricate ourselves from i think yeah yeah, pretty much. I mean, I don't think it is impossible, but I think, like, we are making it impossible. Well, yeah, exactly. Choosing oh, hey, we could solve it. Let <laughs> me be fucking it. clear without yeah. wishing to sound like a Tory fucking scumbag. <laughs> Let me be clear. We can solve this. <laughs> yes. But, you know, we got to. the Netflix and it's very well, we comfortable. Got the Netflix, man. Very so. comfortable. I'm sorry, we've rabbit holed. So but I digress. Bit, yeah, like, uh, but thus, mm. you know. All of that to say, I have Climate no judgment crisis Jones for over here. those. <laughs> I have no judgment for those heavily bombed Brits acting like Andrew Certainly Keegan not. in Independence Certainly Day. Certainly not. No one wants to die a virgin. Mm. So I tell you all this. <laughs> <laughs> That's the second bit of audio I, I hope survives. <laughs> yes, first the climate change bit, and yep. that. Uh, I tell you all this to contextualize what happened on March third, nineteen forty-three. At the Bethnal Green tube station. Ooh. Now. Specifically Bethnal at Green, Bethnal Green. Specifically at Bethnal Green. Bethnal Green was a hugely popular station in East London at the time that had been built as an extension of the city's central line in 1939. So pretty new. Mm. It was huge uh, and had a canteen and a library inside. The station could hold up to 7,000 people and it had 5,000 bunks inside for air raids. People apparently even had weddings and parties inside of it, which is wild. I'm just imagining being like, hey, let's go get hitched at the bomb shelter tube station. Mm. (laughs) It's kind of an interesting choice. But strangely, people really liked it down there. Well, I dare say similar stuff happened all across the fucking world during lockdown a couple of years back. Yeah, you're probably right. You know? (laughs) That's a good point. So one writer, Brian Penn, posted an account of his mother's experience using Bethnal Green as a shelter and showed a picture where his mom is just casually eating a sandwich with her smiling family, relaxing around her, just like sewing and stuff like that. 
And I imagine it's kind of like when I was a kid and we did like earthquake earthquake drills. Yeah, yeah. And we'd just like bring our pogs outside and have a blast. Like, hey, <laughs> no big deal. We're just going to sit here and play and we don't have to be in school, you know? Nice. <laughs> um, and I watched a video of someone walking through Bethnal Green now because I'm pretty sure I've I've been there and I didn't remember it being anything to write home about. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, it's big, but there's no real trace of like the glory days of I, whatever I it was like at this point. <laughs> I don't think of it as one of the major stations. I dare say someone no. will, will correct me, but I don't think of Bethnal Green as being one of London's big fucking transport hubs. It's no King's Cross and Pancras. It's no Paddington. Right. Yeah. I think at the time it was important because it was that expansion that yeah, was like yeah, the yeah, only yeah, thing yeah. that was going to get you to East London. Yeah. Um, and I think that since there have been other things added and obviously things expanded. Um, I so can... I don't even think I tried to look it up and I don't even think there's like food of any kind in there. <laughs> like even in that video, there wasn't even like a stall at the front where someone was selling like crisps. It was just a regular, <laughs> like, regular city, you say crisps. Station. And also, I can totally <laughs> picture you with Pogs. <laughs> that fucking... Freaking loved Pogs, that, man. Of course you fucking did. Of course you did. I had a Pog maker. And yeah, like, yeah, I remember. Like a yeah, junk, like remember? a stamp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was like, well, it was... Yeah, not like a lever, but like a you pushed it down, kind of like playing trouble or whatever. Oh, okay, and okay. Like, yeah, cut the little circles mm. out. Oh, man, I love those. Strike things. a Pog. Pogs always made me nervous, though, because it was like some people wanted to play for keeps and I didn't want to lose any of oh, my sure. Pogs. I'm like, I can't afford Pogs. <laughs> like, these these don't come cheap. So anyways, <laughs> uh, so it's 1943. <clears throat> we're, we're two years out from the Blitz and there are still occasional raids and sirens, but largely people have gone back to their normal lives. A good chunk of the time, if they hear a siren, they assume it's a drill. Folks take shelter in Bethnal Green to be on the safe side, but it's kind of a fun atmosphere. Largely, people aren't living their lives in terror at this point. Mm. The 3rd of March was a mild but wet day. It had rained earlier. And at 8.17 p.m., sirens began going off. At this point, there were already 500 people in the station doing normal tube station things, whatever they were up to. But quickly, people began filing out of local businesses, homes, and the cinema, and into the shelter. About 1,500 people heading into the entrance in a 10-minute window. There was only one entrance to this station, and it was dimly lit with only a 25-watt bulb and no center railing for people to hold on to as they were walking. The local council had asked to make such alterations two years prior but were denied the funds by the government. Mm. The weather had made the stairs down into the underground slippery and tricky to navigate. And at 8.27, the previously unbothered folks heading down into the station were suddenly startled by the sound of 60 anti-aircraft rockets being fired off from nearby. An unfamiliar sound to them as the battery had been newly built. The government had, for whatever reason, assumed that everyone would totally know this was just a test and they'd proceed as usual. But not being psychic, the people freaked out at these new powerful gun sounds and flew into a panic. All of a sudden, it wasn't just a routine cautionary measure to get down there, but there actually seemed to be an attack that they needed to escape. And what happened next was chaos. A woman holding a child slipped on the wet stairs, and then an elderly gentleman behind her tripped over her. 
And before long, you had a domino effect Mm. as people at the back of the line continued surging forward to get away from the guns. uh, And the people in the front fell on top of one another, just stacking into a pile of tangled limbs. Many of them, because, you know, it's March in London, had been wearing thick coats. Mm. And as they continued piling onto each other, they were overcome by the heat and they suffocated. According to the BBC, it's estimated that hundreds of people fell over the course of just 15 seconds. That's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah, it is. Like, in an instant, a stack hundreds of people high, yeah. completely unable to extricate themselves as they lost air. Yeah. Brian Penn, who I mentioned before, whose mother had been in the casual sandwich photo, described his mother's experience, explaining that her father had decided that they should all wait out waited out when the air raid siren sounded, even though they normally would have gone down there. Uh, One of his mother's cousins, however, had just arrived home on leave from the military and had excitedly gone down to the tube station to meet up with his wife and young son, whom he'd been told were down there. So again, like the vibe is just like, oh, it's just another whatever. I'm just going to go down there, like meet up with them in the air raid shelter. We're going to have a joyful reunion, that kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, The author's grandfather went to the tube station to help as soon as he heard of the crush that had occurred and when he returned home in the early hours of the morning it was with the news that the cousin and his family his wife and son had all been killed they were among 173 people who died that night seven men 84 women and 62 children the woman who had initially slipped survived but her child didn't Mm. 100 and joan mart huh 100 and somebody 173 in total, most of them women and children. Jesus. Only seven men died in the whole thing. So Joan Martin, a newly minted doctor at Queen Elizabeth's Hospital for Children, described the aftermath in graphic detail. She said, We had hardly finished changing the beds before the first wet mauve body was carried into the hospital. Wet because apparently when they pulled the bodies from the shelter, all they did was to dump them on the pavement and throw water on them. Mauve, because they were all asphyxiated. They continued to arrive until 11 o'clock that night. At least 30 bodies, mostly women and children, almost all dead. At 100 years old, she said that the nightmares of that night never fully stopped occurring. Although talking about it later in life did help some. And that is actually an important point. Because one of the absolutely insane parts of this is that no one was allowed to talk about it. Mm. Well, obviously, plenty of journalists were immediately on hand to try to find out what happened. They were no roundly silent. No one was allowed silenced. by who? Who put who? I'm about to tell you. Okay, thank you. These journalists were there to find out what happened. They were silenced by the British government, who decided that it would be a dangerous hit to morale if people were to know the location and number of fatalities in a totally unnecessary accidental tragedy That was kind of their fault for not warning everyone that they were going to shoot off a fuck ton of artillery for no reason. Wow. There was no public inquiry. What was found was locked away for safety reasons. And one article noted that journalists literally tried bribing kids with sweets and money to tell them details of what happened. God. Yeah. But the kids were largely either like scared or they were traumatized from what had happened, or they were just too obedient to give up the story. Parents said, don't tell anyone, so they didn't. Yeah. Fuck off, mister. (laughs) Just like that. (laughs) I ain't saying nothing. (laughs) 
as the <laughs> cost you more than that, Gavna. <laughs> All the kids Just were the artful like, dodger. Like that, yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> as the BBC put it, uh, instead it was decided that a short statement should be made to the House of Commons by the Home Secretary and Minister for Home Security, acknowledging receipt of the inquiry and saying that action was already being taken to prevent further such disasters taking place. Furthermore, in accordance with the inquiry's findings, it was stated that rumors of Jewish or fascist elements involved in creating the crush were absolutely without foundation. Which is also Jewish? wild because it's like, <laughs> right. Well, like even from? when there's a, they're in a war where bajillions of Jews are being murdered and it's like, but did the Jews do it? Like, come on. God, that's insidious as fuck, isn't it? Yeah, anti-Semitism, man. It is rife. Um, just to mention my mother again yeah uh we had a kind of a conversation about uh anti-semitism some weeks back when i saw her last mm-hmm. and in in you know in in her 75 year old way she kind of was was trying to get across she was trying to come across from a kind of a sympathetic angle to 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 jews and judaism mark why why are jews so vilified mark they're Mm. peaceful people aren't they they're just good with money and (laughs) jeez yeah oh boy (laughs) and she wouldn't grasp that even fucking that right that sounds like a compliment like what's wrong with that exactly 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 Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the tough thing. Like, that is such a, like, that's a mindset to people. And Mm. thus, like, well, if you start believing that, then it's really easy to think that they are ruling the world and controlling all of the money that comes and goes and blah, blah, Mm. blah. Like, that's the root of an insidious belief. Yeah. There are plenty of Jews who are shit with money, just like the rest of us. Of course. (laughs) But yeah, it's like things that people think are complimentary. It's like people talking about like, oh, Asian women are so like meek and polite and things like that. You know, it's like any of this, just don't. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Even if you think you're complimenting people, you're probably saying something that's contributed to their oppression. Of course. In one way or another. But yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Mm. Yeah, we get and our listeners get, I'm sure. but yes, anti-Semitism is so prevalent and at the root of so many insane things like this. But anyways, in 2006, after pressure from survivors and from families of those who'd been killed, a monument was erected in their memory with only three people who'd been there alive and able to attend the ceremony at its unveiling. Called the Stairway to Heaven, the monument is considered to finally recognize the truth between... the. <laughs> finally recognized the truth behind the tragic loss of life and what caused it. And by the way, immediately after the incident, the government installed handrails. Ah. <laughs> there you go. Listen, um, thank you, by the way, for that. I, I, I adore Joe Ags where i learned right i love it i mm. just love it i'm gonna i'm gonna regret saying this Uh-oh. but next week i'm gonna school you on an american <gasps> event oh my gosh please do i would right? love that fucking yeah. you wait next week <laughs> i'm gonna bring some knowledge to you about a, a, an american fucking uh, you know uh, uh like a atrocity. historical yeah some kind of event. fucking joe aggie dark shit 
Because you've absolutely like told stories about America before, but I would love yeah. to give me a nice history. You're gonna learn. Let me quote directly from my notes, if I may. Yes, please do. Fucking look at these nerds. Oh, mise en scène. I don't think anyone has ever said mise en scène in such a horny way before. The way I whispered the word sex cannibal recently. Worst comes to worst, Mark. I'm willing to guillotine you for science. Thank you. That's really, really sweet. It's cold so, outside, but my pancreas is talking to me. I'm fucking, <laughs> I'm gonna leg it. You know how I feel about that, Mark. I think you feel great about it. Would you like to lead us into this fine podcast that we both host? Uh, yes. Friends, the imagine imagine like a, a large heavy oaken door right and it's got like a big kind of brass uh kind of dong 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 kind of knocker on it right hmm. and it opens with a creak and on the other side of that door beckoning you in is me and cory right and <laughs> okay. it's it leads to a parlor right almost like a kind of a like a parlor and there's a fire burning a cozy fire oh, burning lovely. in the half yeah 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 mm -hmm. and i reach for a large kind of pewter tankard and i offer it to you and it's foaming like a foaming <laughs> tankard of ale and i thrust mm. this into your hand come stranger come i'm beckoning you in like this and <laughs> my face promises forbidden delights Ooh. and i'm beckoning you come and i beckon you to a chair a stool by the hearth sit stranger welcome for this is jack of all graves come won't you and maybe you pull back the hood of your cloak because you've been mm. traveling haven't you stranger naturally yeah obviously and uh maybe a, like a serving goblin comes with and he's got a little train oh we've got refreshments <laughs> sir or madam and you take a little something off the tray and sit down and, and we begin our tales for the night that was vivid. Thank Wasn't you. It? And I feel I feel the warmth of the situation. Listen, that, that that twenty minutes I spent playing Baldur's Gate made it. <laughs> <laughs> this is why we have to get you into the the this real Dungeons um, and Dragons thing. You oh. were you were built for this, obviously. Oh, you thank God you came when you did, stranger. We're about to start another tale. Sit. <laughs> Shake off the cold, stranger. <laughs> this is absolutely going on YouTube. I think everyone needs to experience Sh Shake this. off the cold, stranger. Help yourself to a drink. We have tales to tell. Dark tales. <laughs> Welcome to Jack of All Graves, stranger. <laughs> yes, welcome. Welcome, uh, everybody. Yeah, it's... Jack of All Graves. It's, how's your October working out? Let me tell you something that, that made me... So we've, we've driven back from Wales today, right? Yes, that's right. It's October and it was warm as fuck. Mm. Right? Not a fan. And, you know, I think we went through the same thing last year, didn't we? I, I, think, did I, did a, I, I think I did a video rant, remember them, when I talked about <laughs> how fucking freaked out I was at it being hot as fucking <laughs> in September or whatever. Uh, do you know what I noticed, Corey? would you notice not oh and this is incredible not only did i notice that it's warm as fuck and it's the middle of october but as we yeah. were driving right um mamas and the papas came on the radio all the leaves are brown the leaves are brown <laughs> and we looked around and they fucking aren't all the leaves uh, are green mate to be fair that song is about winter 
and the sky's grey. I went for a walk <laughs> on a winter's day. Yeah. It's right there. But you think October. But yeah, you would. You think leaves crunching everything underfoot. Everything should be. Haddonfield. Right. You know. But I mean, being from where Haddonfield is, uh, I will yeah. say that uh, we're starting to get some of that. But it has been hot. It. But we are like bits of my block is all green, but around the corner we're getting mm. that nice autumniness, which is just like. I'm feeling the vibe. Nah, it seems entirely absent. I, I'm getting the vibe. I fucking love October. I'm in it. But I'm well, sure, up to my yeah, nuts, but just, mate. But yeah. the weather hasn't gotten the message. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Physically, you wouldn't really know it because mm. all the leaves are green, the leaves are green, <laughs> and the world is fucked, and the world is fucked. <laughs> it is way too warm. It's way too warm. For a spooky season. I could carry on. You get, I'm just you letting get it where go. I'm going with that. <laughs> I was not going to interrupt. I was like, let's, okay, <laughs> let's see how far he takes this. <laughs> Joe, I dreaming, Joe, I dreaming oh. on a windy, warm October day. <laughs> That's art right there. And I, for one, yeah. am proud to witness its genesis. You are correct and you should be. But it's which is a long way of a long winded way of saying welcome to the podcast, friends. Uh, yes. Welcome to another Jackal Graves. Wherever this episode finds you, I hope it is with just a steadfast, fucking resolute aspect to your jaw. You know what I mean? Fucking mm. grit your jaw and crack the fuck on because that's what being human is all about. It's not it's all fun though, and that's what we're here to discuss. That's the business that we're in. That's true. But listen, hey, this episode, aside from me talking about a whole bunch of people dying uh, in World yeah, War II, is not going to be our darkest. <laughs> We've done much darker. Today, we're going to like, we're going to delve into what brought us together in the first place, which yeah. is horror films. Horror films. We're, we're gonna... freewheeling a little bit this week. Um, we are. Because it's fun to do that. It You've is. said this to me plenty of times. What you and I can do is converse, Corrigan. We, it's a thing right. we do. Yeah, we've pretty much done it twenty four seven for the past three years. Yeah, whether anyone is listening or not, we are pretty much always talking. <laughs> We'd be doing this anyway. <laughs> yes. Right. So uh, pull up a fucking chair, grab a tanker, right. and listen. And in. one of the things that I love about today's episode is is the thing I love about this podcast in general. I love when people take ownership yes. of this podcast. Besides us, because obviously, I think we both look at it as more of a community. Than oh, anything, we sit here for a couple hours on Sunday in order to then talk with our friends on yes. all the social medias and yes, things like yes, that yes. the rest of the week. We plant the and seeds so... here. We reap the crop <laughs> with you guys. Exactly. You know that's that's the point of all mm. of this. And so what was great is that we got a message from our dear friend Sam this week that was basically like, "Hey, let's do this conversation on the podcast." Yeah. Um, and he wanted us to talk about basically sort of the boundaries of horror and why we consider some things horror and some things not yeah. and those like hazy edges around what that means. And so we're going to talk about that not just because I think that's a great topic but also because I love when someone's just like, "All right, let's let's yeah. do this. This is what Joe Ag needs to be about." Yes, take ownership of this podcast. Tell Completely. us what to talk about. Completely. We love that. It, <laughs> it, it is always things, open. Hey, pragmatically, it makes things easier. It's true. You know? <laughs> There's a lot lot fewer late night uh, Saturday panic text messages from us yeah. going, oh, fuck, what are we going to talk about yeah. tomorrow? Even so. less time spent in front of Wikipedia before <laughs> hitting record. 
I will have you know, I don't ever look at Wikipedia do for Choag. No. Oh, me either. That is. I, 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 I think <laughs> you just. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, we promised that, I can't remember if it was last week or two weeks ago. It must have been two weeks ago. But we did promise that we were going to update on what happened with Taylor Shabiznes. Uh, yes, and you can pr- <laughs> the update on Taylor's business. What do you think might have happened? What What would you expect to have happened hmm. with Taylor's business and her sentencing? If you did not listen to the podcast two weeks ago, Mark cold opened with the story of an absolute sociopath who yeah. viciously murdered her friend yeah. uh, and seemed to really have a fun time dismembering she, him. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, has, showed no remorse for it afterwards. Yeah. Her sentencing was the day after we recorded, that Monday. We found out the fate of Taylor Shabiznes. Yeah. Uh, and this, I don't think, is going to shock anybody. Well, <laughs> But she received a life sentence. She went down. She went down She hard. went down um, for that one. It might have the- even been like... I think it was multiple life sentences that she received concurrent life sentences, which then at the end of it, I don't know if you caught this because I just put it on while I was working just because I was like fascinated by the machinations of this court thing. I haven't really watched a lot of uh, court sentencings and stuff like that. Um, But like they made sure to get like, (laughs) like five months off for like time served or whatever. Mm. I was like, what does that do? (laughs) She's not like, what, what's that for? That's that's due process. That's what that is. Yeah, I guess like it's just a technicality or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't know. But I mean, it gives you a little bit of insight into how her day had gone. That mm-hmm. she came out into court wearing a fucking spit shield. <laughs> yeah. So she'd obviously been, you know, a little uh, feisty. Feisty. That's the word. That's very much. The yeah. Word. I like exactly. They brought her. Was it her grandma? Was it her nan? As a character, yeah, it was like, oh my god, this was. We talked a little bit about this while playing Death's Door, but also were very distracted because Mark kept dying. Yeah, but they did. They brought like her grandmother out as a character witness, uh, who was not super convincing, Um, and then her father, who is also currently in jail, which the the judge was not impressed by. Um, and almost, uh, almost comedic exchange with the judge talking to her dad. Does yeah. does does your daughter have any uh, kind of pleasant characteristics? Good qualities. Yeah. yeah. Would you like to tell <laughs> and us? And he some? couldn't really think <laughs> of any. Yeah, yeah. She. Uh, She's, um, uh, you know. Uh, now's your time to tell us. Yeah, it was it was really something, and you know, obviously, with this whole thing has been part of our discussion of you know, empathy and about prison abolition and all those kinds of things. Uh, so it's a complicated thing, but of all people, I mean, what happened to her is exactly what you would expect to happen. No surprises. Whether that no is right or wrong. No plot twists. No plot twists. She She's Exactly what you would think happened. That's what happened. So, so there you go. Um, in other news, we are changing it up a little bit with our watch along this month and hopefully not uh, stepping on any dead and lovely toes they they do uh watch things on sundays but i figure we can marathon it it's halloween time it is we need to do a halloween time watch along we will not be able to do it on a saturday so sunday the 29th of october this month's watch along and you know what because it's the halloween watch along it has to be a good one doesn't it it has to be oh yeah absolutely it has to be a, a, a killer um, so I'll think on. I mean, I don't know. There's a, there's a, 
there's a, a an agitator part of me that maybe says, why do we do Rob Zombie's Halloween? Oh God, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, I, I mean, I guess it's a great one to, uh, to rip mock on. yeah. all the way through. So there is yeah. that. We'll think on what what the uh, best idea for a uh, watch along at Halloween time is. And please let us know if you have any suggestions. But for now, mark October 29th in your calendar. If you're available, uh, 9 p.m. British time, 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific time. (laughs) And we'll we'll get together and watch something. And then we'll, you know, ice cream Sunday afterwards with Dead and Lovely. Joag friends and then just hop on. Yeah, like what do you... Yeah, what do you do when it's Halloween time? You just watch you movies. Just, that's all you so. do. You 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 know you 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 indulge in the color orange. It's true. You know, you I love orange. Fucking... Orange looks great on me. I don't want. I don't wear enough of it, but I can't. It's a good time for that. Ever remember seeing you in orange? I'm sure it would look good. I know. Most things do. <laughs> You're a regular hey. clothes horse, Corrigan. <laughs> a regular what? Clothes horse. A clothes horse. Yeah. That's complimentary. Yeah. You're a regular clothes... You know what a clothes horse is? I don't is. think it's anyone's ever like... Okay. A clothes horse is... Well, or was. It's like an old-timey... Uh, like I'm... Oh, fuck. I'm, I'm sure I'm getting it wrong now. But <laughs> a, a clothes horse is like an old-timey way of storing and displaying clothes. Like a mannequin almost. Like a dummy. Okay. And you're a regular <laughs> clothes horse means you look good in pretty much wherever you should wish to wear. Okay. I'll accept it because most of the time being called a horse yeah, is not, not yeah, uh, yeah. positive. Yeah. But I will accept that in this case. I guess that one doesn't yeah. translate. <laughs> not so much. No. Doesn't translate from okay. the 40s where you apparently came here today from. <laughs> I'm timeless. <laughs> timeless. <laughs> um, and uh, book club, October 21st, as always. What so, you're you know, reading? the book is that's a good question. I know it's short. I whatever it is, I downloaded the audiobook and it was only five hours. Uh, and if you're like me and you put it on near double speed, that's no time at all. So uh, that, check our. That, that is reading, is it? Yes, of course. Like what? If you're like a blind person or something, do you, have you not read books because you've never been able to look at it? Is the act not the thing though with with reading with a book? Is the format not the thing? No, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I think if you are getting the same information from the book either way, it's reading. Uh, I mean, you could say I listened to a book, but I mean, it doesn't really functionally say anything different than if you said I read a book because you got the exact same information I'm, from I'm it. I'm certain I'm... Uh, kind of pawing my way through a fucking argument which has been had a zillion times in a zillion other places. You I'm are, sure this yeah. isn't a new fucking... But it, it feels <laughs> as though the act of carving out time to sit and to read a book is more is more of a conscious decision than you can just hit play on something wherever you're doing, can't you? Well, that's one of the reasons this is often so contentious is that like kind of looking at it that way excludes like many disabled people it from ever does. reading. It does. It does. <laughs> right? Like, so this is one of the reasons that I've started doing audiobooks is because, like, a lot of times my ADHD is such, like, as I read for work all day and write all the time, that, like, sitting down to read a book, it's just head bees. Um, mm. But if I 
put an audiobook on and then put like a mindless video game on, mm. I can absorb that information just fine. I need that like extra sort of stimulus to be able to take it in. Um, and I think a lot of people sort of have those kinds of things. Like you yeah. want, you, it would be great to sit down and read a book, but sometimes you have to balance yeah. what's going on in your brain. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I you're right, argue. of course, and it's and it's you know it's, it's the first time I've even even fucking considered that. So it's a well, poorly formed, <laughs> half-assed, <laughs> just stream of consciousness, just like my life. <laughs> I feel great about it. Me too. Um, October twenty first. Look jackofallgraves.com <laughs> slash book club to find out what the book is because of course I can't remember right now and I did not write it down. Headbees. But it's a quick one. So even at Headbees. <laughs> so even if uh, you can't get to it till the day before, hey, oh, it's not going to take you very long. It's what great. What a beautiful segue to talk about uh, just something wonderful which happened today book-wise, Ooh. right? Oh, lovely. Um, Let's go ahead. Loads of times I've spoken about how great it is to show your kids the films you love, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Now, today, for the first time, I had the experience of giving, passing down to my kids a book that I fucking love, oh, right? Oh, okay. And, you know, they've read The Hobbit and fucking other books. Sure, enjoy, like right? the but, standard ones everybody's yes, read. But this was a, a contemporary book from the last kind of 10, 15 years or so that I adore and I've read cover to cover. And I described it to my kids in the car earlier because we had like a two and a half hour car journey. And I gave it to them earlier on and they've just been... They've had their fucking nose in it ever since, just oh, chortling away at this book, and it's been a delight. What is it? Oh, the book is <laughs> called uh, The Time Waster Letters. Okay. Right? It is a work of comedy uh, from a guy by the name of Robert Popper, right? Okay. Uh, he co-wrote Look Around You with oh, okay. uh, Serafinovich. Uh, he's, like a, he, he's had a, a fantastic career as a comedy commissioner in Channel 4. And the book is him in character uh, as a, a, a character called Robin Cooper. Mm -hmm. And it's verbatim copies of spurious letters that he's written to just organizations and clubs and oh, companies amazing. and corporations in the UK. Just with the, just the, the specific intent of just wasting people's <laughs> fucking time. <laughs> proposing kind of ridiculous new product ideas. Right. Uh, just scientific mistakes. Like, there's a letter where he writes to the like the beekeeping association of the UK. Mm -hmm. We all know that bees make honey, but did you know wasps make mustard? And he then <laughs> outlines how wasps make mustard, and then proposes sure. at the end, "I have a line of mustard uh, that I'm producing, and I assume I'm fine to put your name on the jar." <laughs> and nice. just the correspondence goes on and on and on, often becoming quite fractious. You know, the Beekeeping Association reply with, yes, very interesting. Do not use our name on your product. Right. End of correspondence. And, you know, they often include diagrams of just stupid shit that he's made up. And I can read this book and laugh my ass off. Uh, and Love the boys that. enjoyed it, too, because it inhabits. Are they reading it together? Like, are they just like there's sitting two there? Of them. There's looking... two of them. There's oh, okay, gotcha. and The Return of the Time Waste Letters. Um, oh, okay. It, it, it inhabits this really narrow space of comedy that i love which mm -hmm. is no one gets hurt no one's harmed it's not at right. anyone's expense yeah. it's just fucking just stupid enough to be funny yeah as fuck. right <laughs> oh, i i i think i've my 45 years i've spent pursuing that fucking zone 
if it's too stupid, it, you can dismiss it. Right. Nobody cares. If it goes too far that way, it becomes malicious and you're trying to derail people. Right. But there's a little fucking beautiful, sweet spot where it it's just elevates. It almost takes it to another plateau it's so fucking stupid but just <laughs> right. the right sort it's a cl- almost a kind of a a studied stupid mm-hmm. you know it, it's not a cu- you've got to really put thought into getting something in that sweet spot and i i adore it and that that book nails it the time wasted diaries awesome. uh by robert popper writing as robin cooper it's brilliant awesome and the boys so if you're it. looking and for a little bit of yep. great stupidity in your life that's you, you gotta really check out check that book out it's fantastic <laughs> into it you've sold it well mm. um also next week our boffin is back oh. eileen will be here <clears throat> um normally we'd solicit questions from you but we already had several yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that uh she's going to answer for us and it promises to be epic so I we live, know you all love her oh, as much I live as we for do these episodes right i live yes. for eileen's kind of good-natured exasperation i fucking love it <laughs> yeah. we've got a, it's yeah a, a couple of weeks of bangers lined up in fact not only do yes. we have uh our good friend eileen next week the week after that we have uh once again fuck me we have some learned ass guests on this we do, yeah. podcast um the week after we have uh, a dr kerry thomas who's a very good friend of mine and uh, her area of expertise is in just old ass arcane fucking texts. Um, Medieval <laughs> medievalism is her specialty. Yeah, so I said old ass yeah, arcane old texts. ass arcane fucking what texts. What I said. And uh, <laughs> Kerry's gonna come on, and she's gonna just we're we're gonna talk about just tomes with fucking dark, dark, dark tales attached. Because it was called the Dark Ages for a reason, I think. You know, well. <laughs> some awful shit happened. So uh, Carrie is going to give us her learned view on some old school fucking nastiness. Yeah, I'm super stoked on that. Mm, can't wait. Can't wait. So I, lots oh. to look forward to, dear friends. Yeah. Spooky season is upon us and we are hitting it hard. Yep. And in the that. Fact, the fact that we keep getting doctors on it, it's legit as shit. Know, right. It? Like, I feel like we need we need more respect put on our names here fucking for this. Right. <laughs> Right. Just some educated ass yeah. guests Our on guests Jack of All Graves. are booksellers and doctors and fucking scientists and <laughs> psychiatrists. Yeah. Oh, I, I am elevated by the company we keep. Here, here. Agreed. As in turn, are they denigrated by my presence? <laughs> Never disagree. <laughs> and we kind of meet in the middle, yeah? And then we even <laughs> yeah. one another out. Yeah, I feel good about that. Um, Sorry, um, so spooky season up on us no it's great I mean that's what we do here mm-hmm. it is that kind of episode yep. we were both in the mood for this so with all of this said obviously we've been hitting the films pretty hard lately mm. um, I feel like I will start just because I have a bunch and I'm gonna cycle through them Rip into then we'll talk about on. yours and we'll talk about what we watch together yeah. um, I so I've been trying to do the thing that people do or you make sure to watch at least one good halloween movie every night which i have been absolutely adoring and have been largely pleased with the films that i've watched whether i'd seen them before or not um it's been a really good time to just like 
get into the season. Uh, so I started day one. I was like, I want like something classically like 90s that uh, takes me back, you oh, know. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and so I watched Disturbing Behavior for day one of the Halloween season. Have you ever seen it? No, I don't believe I have. Love Disturbing Behavior. So late 90s. I think it's 1998. Uh, James Marsden and Katie Holmes and Nick Stahl James, star what, what, in this. Spike? No, Marsden, not Marsters. Okay, okay, yes, okay. <laughs> um, and uh, basically, you know, James Marsden uh, moves to this new town after the suicide of his brother, played in flashback by my boy Ethan Embry. Um, and as he sort of starts to make friends, he finds that the jocks in this town are sort of weird and malicious. Um, and they're all very perfect, but they tend to kind of short circuit if they have an imperfect thought leading to lots of violence. Oh, so nice. something is happening that Stepford-y is making these teenagers, yeah, these mm. sort of Stepford teenagers. Um, and it's just, it's the soundtrack is very 90s. The, Who's on the soundtrack? The, fashion oh gosh I would, like the main song is got you where i want you by the flies do you remember uh, that one no got you where i want you <laughs> that one? <laughs> no, no i don't know it. i don't know it. but i love that okay. we're both singing it up this week it's a singing episode <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a musical episode every fucking every show doesn't <laughs> uh but anyways yeah very 90s soundtrack um that does that 90s thing where like movies for some reason we're always trying to like coin phrases and words like new slang mm. and so like oh god i wish i could remember there's one point where katie holmes just says like something as if it's like a, a normal word for cool that we yeah. all say and it's like it's not a thing yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like i love that about 90s movies they're always trying to coin a term you know like oh cool rebellious goth chicks are gonna say <laughs> this um <laughs> It's so much fun. It's, you know, everything I've watched has basically been a cool 90 minutes. So, uh, yeah, just I highly recommend Disturbing Behavior. So much fun. Good throwback. Nice. I watched Dead Silence, which okay. is a little bit of our boy Lee Juanel and mm-hmm. James Wan. Um, and it is about a, a murderous ventriloquist dummy, which is, you know generally something that's going to be a good time okay. and i quite enjoyed that as well it is um divisive a lot of people hate it for whatever reason but i love the vibes i think the vibes are immaculate um it is at times very gory and surprising um is it a recent it's, film? it's a james one not one i've heard of no it's uh an early one so you know this is before all the things that we kind of know him for i want to say yeah. it's like the late Pre-upgrade. 2000s something like that um yeah and i thought it was an absolute delight and highly recommend it and i watched another ventriloquist dummy movie one that i've been meaning to watch since it was on um one of those shutter documentaries about like oh the scariest movies or whatever it was magic with Mm. your boy sir anthony hopkins yeah yeah in it when he was like young Mm. for him it's one of his first movies but he's like 40 in it um this is that man is old yes which i always i don't know if i've said this before but i always kind of like when i watch something and like someone's at the beginning of their career or whatever and they're old they're older than i am now or in the same region as well, i am like now mentioned max von Sydow last week my earliest right, yeah. fucking film i've ever seen him in he's, yeah, he's already old yeah, yeah, yeah. but like that like 
Anthony Hopkins is like alive and well now. Yeah. And it just to me, you know, people always say like life is short. But I'm like, that's just like kind of like <laughs> this movie was made before I was born. Yeah. And he is older than me. And he is still hanging out doing stuff now. Like you have uh, a lot Michael of chances Kane to do stuff. has been for some reason doing the rounds lately. He's got a, oh, a, has he? a movie out and uh, he had a kind of a long interview segment on Radio 2 last week. He's 90 90 yeah so is um ellen burston she's 90 as well Still this working. came out talking about uh mm. the new exorcist movie which is apparently trash but Awful. still think it's wild that she's mm. 90 years old like mm-hmm. that's bonkers dick van dyke like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. william angela shatner lansbury. angela lansbury i mean she's not alive now but she lasted a long time oh, shit, like she not? no she died like a year ago something mm. like that yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> you of all people should know this. Should, I'm sure I you posted the about of the it. Fucking records. Yeah. In fact, I think she died, like, on or around New Year's Day. Thus, fucking up. I want to say you're yeah, you're yeah, right or something Deadpool like years. that. Mm-hmm. I've got big plans yeah. for Deadpool this New Year's Eve. By the way, I'm going to do a Ooh. spreadsheet. What do you usually do? Oh, I just I just scroll through the comments. Every time? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been <laughs> for years. Whenever That's this is, insane. I always <laughs> assumed you had a spreadsheet. Fuck, no, no, no. I'm going to do it this year, though, because I'm sick to fucking death <laughs> of every time there's a celebrity fatality. Oh, one sec. Find oh, the post. Scroll, 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 scroll. Oh, I must one. paint you. <laughs> You're incredible. <laughs> so, magic, young-ish Anthony Hopkins plays a, a wannabe magician um who is not you know he's a magician people don't like super like magicians and so he's trying to you know perform and people don't take him seriously but then he introduces this ventriloquist dummy into his act which shoots him up into fame and he becomes this incredibly famous performer uh but he is asked to do like a medical exam as part of like you know being insured or whatever to do performances and he refuses and he ends up basically fleeing to uh his long ago uh like basically childhood crush um who owns like an inn or whatever and he ends up staying uh in her home while this dummy we start to see seems to have some form of mind of its own uh and yeah things get crazy uh and it's yeah it's a weird super weird (laughs) movie um but it's well acted and unsettling um so magic is uh i think worth a watch it's on shutter um i went and saw haunting in venice (laughs) and that was not and you (laughs) you solved it within the first (laughs) (laughs) it was like i won't i won't give it away but it was Mm. like literally something happened in it that i was like oh yeah okay so it has to be this (laughs) and sure enough that ended up being uh the solution and that was like about 35 minutes into the movie that i was like "Mm, okay uh but it's like basically just like all the other poirot brana poirot movies except with like tons of jump scares and candid angles and it was like they were like now we've made horror Um, it's very annoying (laughs) on topic i guess because in no way would you describe that as a horror movie Right. But they seem to think it is. Yeah. But uh, it's, you know, <laughs> the it jump scares. Itself. Like, yeah. golly. Yeah. I found it great. super dull. Laura was all over it, though, but I yeah. was not a fan. 
I think dull is exactly the right word for that, mm. uh, which was unfortunately kind of my experience also of um, the movie Historia del Oculto, or History of the Occult, which I'd been looking forward to seeing. This was notoriously the highest rated horror movie on Letterboxd in 2022. Oh. Um, I feel like it was like an algorithmic glitch or something, because I can't imagine how that's the case. Um, it's short. I think it's like an hour and 10 minutes or something like that, but it felt like it dragged forever. Um, basically, and here, listen, this is what I'll give it. It is very low budget, obviously, um, and they're doing the best they can with what they've got. However, I did read one of the um, reviews that was in Spanish, but was talking about how like there had been an interview with the director. Okay. Um, and that the director said, like, basically, he came up with the idea, wrote the script, and started shooting within like three weeks or whatever. Good and sign. it feels like that. Good sign. Good sign. <laughs> um, so basically, the story of history of the occult is that there is. Um, some sort of like you're seeing this through these people who are watching an evening news broadcast uh, called 60 Minutes to Midnight. And we find out that this 60 Minutes to Midnight show is um, having its last broadcast. Uh, and it has something to do with that some sort of conspiracy involving the president of the country has been unfurled um, that and they're about to try to go on and expose what happened here and they have various guests on this show meanwhile you're watching these people who are somehow involved in the process of this unraveling on this show and then there's like a cult that is somehow involved in this there's like a magic mushroom that they all take and you know that's revealing things to them there's a lot of moving parts to this it sounds super interesting um, is it like found footagey kind of vibes it's in black and white. Right. Um, it's not found footage, but like you are, you're watching these people and you're watching this broadcast. See, that sounds super interesting. It it does, doesn't it? Like yeah. in theory, this sounds great. It's just kind of boring, uh. um, and like really confusing. And part of that, I think, you know, it's from Argentina, I think. And like there are some things I read in some of the reviews too that people were like, oh, like. There are hints as to like anachronisms and stuff like this in this that should clue you into certain things. But if you don't know anything about like Argentinian geography or politics, you're not going to get that, <laughs> you know. Um, so things that are supposed to cue you into like various things you're not necessarily seeing um, in this. And then it's like one of those things where it like ends and it's like completely open. <laughs> You okay. have no, it does not attempt Answers to tell you nothing. at all hmm. what happened. Hmm. Um, so, no, it's short. So, like, you know, you could always put it on. It's not going to be like, I wasted my life watching this movie. Hmm. Just for me, I was just like, I, it was so confusing <laughs> to try to like figure out this conspiracy theory and what it had to do with any of these things going on. And it felt like threads didn't go anywhere. And then it ended. So, isn't it amazing? just how much more forgiving one can be if a film is simply short right oh god <laughs> it forgives you can a multitude get away of with sins. so much more if you yeah. just do it just don't brevity, make me sit know? forever yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. make your mistakes and make them quickly exactly. i'm fine with that i'll enjoy it <laughs> right i'd have no animosity towards a movie that doesn't make me sit there for something mm. i hate like yes okay that's fine yes uh, I feel like this is legitimately like, you know how much I hate Skinamarink, but I think if Skinamarink was an hour, 
Mm. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it as much as it being nearly two. Ah, uh, <laughs> like, but Skinnerberg is the uh, exception because the fucking length not. was a part of the fucking. That was a Ugh. part of the deal. Dis- I, disagree. I, I could watch that again. I could watch Skin and Rick again. I I, I know I'm... it's on Anna's list for uh, oh. for the Halloween season. I will never, ever, ever, ever I'm make that so, mistake again. I'm so curious to know what she <laughs> is going to make of it, yet somehow kind of suspecting what she might feel. Oh, she's already seen it. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is a rewatch. Oh, oh wow. So, Fine, go. good. I, yes, yeah. I, I could, I could happily watch Skin Rick again because I loved it. I loved, it. I loved what it, what it was as much as, as you know, <laughs> what I saw. I loved, I loved what it represented. Anyways, not to kickstart Skin and Rick discourse no. again. I'm just merely going with the like. I would not have been as mad at it if I didn't sit there as long. I as think I, I like did. Skin and Rick in the same way as I like the time wasted letters. It's an exercise in in just <laughs> fuckery, stupidity. Yeah, no, just it's it's an exercise in pushing just mm. what it can get away with. Right. How dare you <laughs> fucking do that? Uh, just, I just I applaud that. A little uh, bit. Fair enough. Um, I also watch Ghost Watch again. I saw um, because yes. I just love Ghost Watch. Uh, wild, it, it used to be really hard to find. Someone actually like messaged me on Instagram. Was like, "How did you watch it? I've been <laughs> trying to watch this for years." This year, for the first time, it's on. Like, you can rent it, you can or buy it. I actually bought it because I was like, I don't want to like search for it every year. I'm just gonna buy the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it's like seven ninety nine. Um, you can rent or buy it on stuff. So if you've never seen Ghost Watch, like it's also I watched it last year on archive.org, um, but there's notoriously nothing to stream archive.org to your TV. So you know, if you want to just watch it regular styles, you can rent it. And if you don't know Ghost Watch, it was uh, it's BBC, yeah. Yes, um, yes, indeed. A sort of uh, early kind of found footagey sort of thing where uh, I believe it's 1990. Uh, um, proto found footage, yes, and right. it, it, it just completely blindsided the British public. Yes, uh, it's presented like a real sort of news special broadcast, including yeah. real um, yeah. presenters from the BBC, uh, fronted including by none other than Michael Parkinson. Michael uh, Parkinson. It's got uh, what's his face from Red Dwarf. Yeah, Craig Charles is in it, playing himself. Like, yep. so really has the Mike artifice. Smith, Sarah Green, all of whom mm-hmm. were in no way associated with fiction or with anything like right. you know, you, you simply did not see it coming. Yeah, um, and it's incredible. They do such an incredible job with it. They sell it so life, well. And basically, I, was, I watched it as a kid. I, went, I went love out. that so and much. And it's, you, you know, oh. the premise of this is that they are investigating I'm a haunting in a house. thinking about that, that experience of seeing that live as it went out. It was, it was fucking wild. It was wild. So it was like you were seeing a fucking supernatural event unfolding on TV in front of you. You were all <laughs> in on it. And then, you know, there's a... There's a, a at a point where you you twig oh okay mm-hmm. uh, but everything leading up to that denouement yeah. you just nobody in the uk fucking saw this coming it was incredible it can't be overstated just how big an event it yeah. was on tv i love that so much and it's like the kind of thing that you just simply couldn't pull off now like we aren't all watching the same thing i mean in in, in america the way tv works that would have been difficult anyway mm. uh just by sheer volume of channels people <laughs> that tried, everyone you know, has people have tried but, um a yeah, couple of sure. years back inside number nine had a go at something similar oh, yeah. obviously mm-hmm. obviously with them being who they are you know she is right like you're not going to be able to pull off the cast or like the actors it, that they have for exactly. inside number and, nine and, and you know they would clean they were obviously massively influenced by ghost watch 
right. and it was a kind of a behind the scenes look at them as they film like a Halloween special of Inside the Mind. Did it? They did some really fun uh, social media tricks as well as it was going mm-hmm. out. Um, you know, one of the characters they have a power cut or the fucking communications goes down or something, and one of them says to the other, "Check Twitter." And at the time, <laughs> nice. you're 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 seeing him tweeting in real time as the show oh, is going out. Very very cool yeah. as fuck. I do that. love that sort of like transmedia type oh, stuff, same, you know, where you can incorporate it. things. Mm. But like, you couldn't pull off the just like everyone's sitting around. Oh, it's no. the evening. Like, oh, what do we do after we eat dinner? We're gonna Michael Parkinson. yeah, you know, oh, Parkinson. right. It's not like Parkinson. Yeah. Are you doing something like this? Oh, it's ghosts. What's the what the fuck? What's that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's so fun to watch, and I feel like I can you know, kind of put myself in the position Mm. of like, I wish that I would have gotten to see this Mm. live with everybody, but like, I can understand watching it, what that would have been like. It was so scary as fuck as well. Right. Just the glimpses you get in the background of of pipes and the, uh, I mean, pipes is, I've said this. Yeah. I said this last year, but pipes is just such a perfect, like Uh, spooky name too. Like it makes sense. Yeah. yeah, You know why the kid nicknames the like monster ghost thing pipes. And like, then every time you like hear it, you kind of shudder a little bit. Mm hmm. So great. If you haven't seen Ghost Watch, yeah, rent it. It's a dollar ninety nine or whatever. Try and put yourself in character. You're in in Britain in the nineties and you're watching this going out for the first time. Or the eighty nine, did you say? I think it's ninety. Okay. Uh just imagine how that would have fucking landed at the time. Incredible stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Amazing. Mm. And then the other last two things I want to mention uh, is after enjoying Timeless Tony Storm on uh, AEW on um, Collision uh, last night, I had a craving to watch Sunset Boulevard, which she obviously has, um, you know, based this character on. And that movie is just so fucking insane um and such a good time if you've never seen sunset boulevard it's you know about an uh aging former silent film star who when the talkies hit she uh sort of fell out of fashion but she still considers herself a star and wants to make her come back and so she uh employs this writer who's sort of down on his luck to help her to fix up a script and uh, this is going to be the thing that she so- shows to Cecil B. DeMille and gets her back uh, into Hollywood and into the spotlight again. And she's completely delusional, um, falls in love with the writer, basically holds him hostage. And it is escalation upon escalation. And it's just it's a phenomenal movie. Everyone should everyone should watch at some mm. point. Have you seen it, Mark? I have not. It's I ain't seen. Great. If you listen to this week's episode, I've seen and done shit. I I I I know nothing of what anyone is talking about this week. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. The final thing I want to mention is a podcast that I listen to that I think you specifically, Mark, ah, yeah, will be interested in, mm. um, and some of our listeners might as well. There's a podcast, um, and I can't remember who the host slash producer is, but she's a BBC presenter, um, and the podcast is called Scamanda, as in Scam and Amanda. Um, and the it's only eight parts. And basically the premise of this is that this woman, Amanda, um, she became like kind of a cancer influencer, essentially, by uh, writing this blog about her journey after being diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma or non-Hodgkin's mm. lymphoma, whichever one can kill you. <laughs> and uh, I think they both can, but the one that's more deadly. 
Um, and she, you know, over several years sort of kept this blog about her cancer journey is really detailed. Um, and you know, everything that was happening to her and going into remission and then it coming back and all of this kind of stuff, um, raised, you know, money for her bills from people as an active churchgoer and everything. And Mm. it turns out she did not have cancer and that's just the beginning. (laughs) You know that she doesn't have cancer basically from the outset of this. And the story is absolutely fucking bonkers of how she scammed all of these people and how deeply she committed to the bit um, and how long it lasted and how people started to question it and all of that stuff. Big recommends. Gamanda. Excellent. Thank you. And because it's BBC... Uh, that legitimizes you will actually listen to it yes yeah 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 something that i might actually give time to precisely Mm -hmm. (laughs) what have you watched i know you watched fewer things uh give me a moment aside from what we watched together we did watch several again we're leaning in hard to spooky season so part of the reason you haven't watched things on your own is just that we've watched stuff almost every night yeah uh just on a wreck from our good friend Richard. Um, the Card Counter, which is a Paul Schrader movie. Um, he Rich recommended it to me uh, on the, the the kind of the merits of it of it being quite brutal in places, being quite uh, kind of uncompromising, quite violent in parts, which it is. Um, okay. It's a drama about, as you would expect, a card counter, a card shop. Uh, Played by Oscar Isaac, who is just doing Oscar Isaac things, brooding, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, with his being hot, fucking bone structure on that man. Mm. Damn it! Yeah, smoking and fucking playing cards and wearing suits. <laughs> fucking give me a fucking break. Um, has <laughs> uh, uh, got a murky past. He was part of the kind of enhanced interrogation squad in Abu Ghraib and fucking. That kind of thing, and yes, it's okay. perfectly serviceable. It's uh, it's it's it, it it. I enjoyed it. I was into it, uh, but was unmoved by it. It it it, it isn't something I ever return to. But it's a solid three stars. Thank you, Richard. It's a good movie. Um, nice. Now, what I've been as we were watching this movie, I was looking forward to talking about it. <laughs> yes. Um, and I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> right because this week Corey and i watched a movie that i i i know had i discovered this movie as a 14 15 or 16 year old i would be trading the tapes i would mm-hmm. be fucking writing letters to magazines about it i would be sharing it with my friends i would be encouraging alan and i would be watching it together on vhs <laughs> it would have been a fucking right there on the video nasty shelf this is burial ground burial ground uh an italian <laughs> joint from 1981 oh boy which just dial that fucking wtf factor right up yeah. to 11 because what the fuck is <laughs> someone so when i pitched like you know it was my turn to pick the movie and i sent a bunch of screenshots but i was like burial ground this last one look at this review and someone had basically written like that like this movie has no plot or character development or anything, but just insane Straight in. practical gore effects. Yeah. That is accurate. Yeah. <laughs> this is, I mean, there's everything that happens in it is so bizarre. Yeah. You've, you've got, you've got a group of people, their, their connection, their relationship to one another is just literally never explored. 
Um, yeah, I think they isn't. like briefly at the beginning when they like descend upon the house, they mention something about like a professor who we've just seen die yeah, in the there's, opening There's scene. like a kind of a prologue with, <laughs> with the, like a Rasputin looking fella and yeah. he's got some texts and he's reading them and the dead come to life. Bang. Uh, cut yeah. to, you know, like an upbeat jazz opening. <laughs> and then you've got these knobheads because they are all knobheads. Nobody's yeah. at all likable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You're not going to be sad to see anyone go. No one to root for, movie. no one to care about. No. Uh, they all descend on this mansion and uh, the dead are rising and bang, game on. Toot, we're off. We're off at the races. Um, I don't even know where... To, I don't know where to begin... <laughs> On just right. how fucking interesting <sighs> this film is. Because <laughs> on one level, right, this is a very fucking competent as fuck movie. I, I believe that, right? I think this movie is competent as shit. I think it is an okay. excellent example of Italian horror at the turn of, of the decade, right? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, the... The walkers themselves, the creepers themselves, the zombies themselves are fantastic. Yeah, they really right? are. The mask work and the makeup work is just first fucking class. You get a, a sense of hollowed out kind of cavities, putrefaction having done its work. Mm-hmm. These are rotten fucking cankerous you know, when when these zombies get shot, nothing comes forth but dust and right, pus. Right, yeah, just dusty, yeah. You know, <laughs> dust and pus, husks, rotten, yeah. bloated, missing eyes, worm fucking infested, teeth sticking out where they shouldn't, just holes. You, These look like fucking wet, soggy corpses. <sighs> Gross. Am I wrong? These. No, you're right. You, you are know, right. It's just a... Uh, oh, mm. Just the craft that has gone into each and there's only like eight of them sure yeah you know at, at one point you know one of the characters is looking through the window at these dead advancing on the house there must be 20 of them there aren't i counted <laughs> there, there are were nine right <laughs> um but the, it, it has that very much in its favor the work that's gone into these fucking creatures is right. immaculate i loved yes. it i was nerding out over these fucking zombies they're amazing uh but then what it also has is just the weirdest fucking cast of supporting characters. Right. Where it's like basically, uh, you know, you come into this and and obviously Italian movies, the horror of this uh, point yep. is often just kind of like sex and then stuff, you know, and then yep. murder. Which this but is like, yeah, it's just these weird like everybody comes into this place and then goes to various corners to have sex with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, but amongst the the weirder what the first couple we see getting it on are then interrupted yes by the creepiest man child you can possibly well yeah imagine. The, the film doesn't ever make reference to this, but they've no. clearly cast an adult with a yes. like a growth condition, right? As a child, yes. and they've it, it's blatant from the first time you see this. The kid looks like fucking Modoc, right? He's got the kid <laughs> looks like Modoc. This misshapen bowl cut. No, this is a very specific <laughs> reference for the Brits okay. here, right? Okay. But if anybody's ever seen <laughs> uh, Reeves and Mortimer doing Lloyd Grossman on MasterChef, right? The kid looks oh, like okay. that. 
and I'll 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 walk you through this reference later on, right? When you'll get sure, it. Sure, yeah. All right. This is this kid air quotes. Oh, let's <laughs> see the balloons. <laughs> no balloons. Oh, there they are. There's the balloons. <laughs> you've got this short. You've got this clearly this short adult with like a like a massive cranium acting as a like a like an eleven year old. Why? Why did they just <laughs> cast a kid? Every other fucking film, right? Did. Well, I think later on we find out why they didn't cast a kid. To be fair. Oh yeah, there was that, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the 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 plot line, the 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 thread, the plot thread of this kid goes in a fucking takes a swerve that yeah. you will not see coming. <laughs> you won't see it coming. Um, yeah. And people are killed in various ways. Old school gore. They've obviously got some fucking pig innards. In a right, dummy yeah, and just ripped them apart. All that good bright shit. Bright red blood, yeah. It's got the juice and the meat. <laughs> this is yes, a carnivorous so fucking movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's high camp. It's hammed right up. It makes yeah. no sense. There's no plot. It is a curious, curious little bit of cinema, this. Uh, yes. And I was all over it. I fucking loved it. Yeah, this is the kind of thing that's exactly what Mary Whitehouse was talking about. Yes. <laughs> like, where is the redeeming value of yep. this movie? What does there this isn't add? any, and that's nothing. the that's the point. It brings nothing. Brings nothing to the, to the table. table. <laughs> other, other than you know, a, a work of some considerable artistic craft. That, right. You know, yeah, the, exactly. the prosthetic guys just went ham on this yeah. film, and it shows they bring of their best. I, I, had, a, I had a great time. I burial ground. Been yeah. thinking of late mm. that yes. I uh I think I'm on the cusp of reevaluating my approach to letterboxd. Oh, okay. Yes. I think I'm leaning now more towards rating films based on how much I enjoyed them uh-huh. as opposed to how good they are as pieces of film, pieces of cinema. See, that's my like my letterbox like profile headline says sometimes I rate with my heart, sometimes I rate with my head. Like there's really sometimes it's like I have to like I have to rate this on goodness, like the kind of movie I'm watching. Mm. Other times, like it's like with Ghost Ship, my <laughs> review of it is like like I gave that five stars. I'm like, is this yeah. an objective five stars? Yeah. No. Do yeah. I have a five star time every yeah. time I watch it? Fuck yes. Cause anyone who's just listened to me gush about burial ground would expect <laughs> Four, four and a half, five stars. I think I only gave it three. Yeah, you gave it three. I, I had a fucking great time with that movie, as right. did you, I think. I mean, not as much as you did, but, oh, okay. you know, I, I, I had fun. You were faking it? Um, <laughs> it was, I, I had a great laugh. Uh, and to anyone who listens to Jack of All Graves, I think you will too. I think you'll enjoy Burial Ground, so please do me a favor and go Yeah, especially it knowing what it is going yes. into it, you yep. know? Yep, 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 yeah. yep, yep. yep, yep. <laughs> uh, but you watched Critters with your kids too, didn't yeah. you? Yep, I watched Critters with the boys. They had a great time. Um, they, how can you? Well, you said Owen left, didn't he? Oh, Owen walked the fuck out. Pete enjoyed it. Pete stuck with the course, but Owen, Owen just kind of he stuck with it for the first twenty minutes and then just kind of walked out the room. Uh, see you, mate. <laughs> um, but me and Pete really enjoyed it. Uh, how can you not? I put to you. I challenge you. To find me a reason, disc critters to me and see what fucking happens. How can you not <laughs> enjoy critters? Right, that's what I'm saying. It's just right, it's just a good it's, time through it's and through. Full of mistakes. <laughs> it's, it's it's like they just included the blooper reel. 
Right, right yeah. <laughs> you know the two bounty hunters, like, when they're in the spaceship and they don't have their faces yet? Mm-hmm. There's a shot where one of them is, like, putting, like, a computer chip in it and everything. And you can just clearly see his face. It's the guy. <laughs> and they haven't even bothered trying it. to fucking mm-hmm. crop it out or anything like that. Brilliant. There's loads, you know, there's loads of just glove puppetry. Um, <laughs> it's just a fucking good laugh. It's just classic post Gremlins hijinks. Love it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, together, we also watched The Nun too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think either of us have a have much to say no. about that nun inspiring film. Redeeming features none. <laughs> and you know what? We also watched. Oh, I go didn't. Ahead. I didn't mention this at the time, right? Uh-huh. But the opening credits, they've just nicked the Nine Inch Nails logo, mate. They've just stole it. <laughs> N, middle letter, backwards Yeah, end. I guess so. They've just, yeah. fucking Trent needs to sue. <laughs> I don't think he cares, to be honest with you. Oh, he's he's very, got like a he's lot going on. He's very protective of his IP, is Trent, and rightly so. He's cultivated his brand over a long time. and It's true. Blah, blah, blah. Do you remember me talking about losing faith in sentences? That just happened. Then. Yeah, then, there then. it was. Just Kill happened. Uh, we also watched another sequel, House 2, the second story. Yes. Uh, we watched House together a year or two ago. Figured, uh, why not watch the second one? Yeah, I mean, you don't need me to remind you of how much I love House. I, I, I think House is a fucking tight, fun, mm-hmm. funny, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, example, once again, of that mid 80s i think it's 985 or 6 uh you got monsters you've got comedy you've got uh you know steve minor isn't it who's who's got a rap sheet as long as your arm <laughs> yeah so house two it's kids films. um it's a kids it's, a, it's, it's a, a, yeah it's a kids movie it's basically a kids movie. um <laughs> you know with cute rubber characters and mm-hmm. peril it's a fa- it's a yeah. it's a fantasy. It's film. like it's Indiana Jones yes. as a horror movie, basically. Yes, it is. It is. It is. Mm-hmm. Only not uh, in the Temple of Doom way. No, <laughs> no. That was Indiana uh, it Jones feels like, as a horror movie. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I was trying to think, like when I when we watched, it, I was like, it's like you can see Indiana Jones, like well, it's basically Indiana Jones meets House. Um, and yeah, yeah. like I, it, it's I, I would take that. Yes. Yeah, it's kind of cluttered and all over the place, but I. As I put it to you at the time, I was like, if I had watched this as a kid, I would have watched this constantly. As an adult, yeah. I'm like, oh, that's cute. That's a cute little like kids movie or whatever. As a yeah. kid, if I had watched that, You'd would have be been an addiction. And apparently, my brother loved it when he was a kid because oh, really? it came out, I think, in '86. So, and my brother's the same age as you. Yeah. So you know, he would have been like eight, I guess, when that came out, and. Yeah, my mom said they used to watch it together all the time. Obviously, we have to finish the trilogy. We have to Anna Martin it. I seem to remember House 3 leaning right back into the horror again. I think House 3 is quite nasty. I didn't even know there was a House 3. There is. It's... I have very limited memories. It's it's about kind of a serial killer returning from the dead, I believe. Okay. Yeah, and I seem to to think it goes quite quite hard. Well, then, I think this month we need to finish house yep. and we still got two pumpkin set pumpkin heads left so we do i'm speaking of anna martin delighted to read from paul thomas on our facebook <laughs> that that term to anna martin that verb to anna martin a series has taken on a life of its own and now exists you know yeah, outside of the podcast universe. independently of joag yes um love that the, so uh, to, if you were to look it up in the dictionary it would be to doggedly pursue completion of an unfulfilling series of film, of, of films 
generally well, horror. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So we salute you, Anna, who also, I believe, brought the story to my attention that I used for the cold open. I think oh, they beautiful. posted about it on beautiful. our Facebook back in the day. So her stint at the helm well. may have passed, but her influence remains. Here, here. Mm-hmm. And the last thing that we watched together was Pet Cemetery Bloodlines. Oh, what a interesting, frustrating, mm-hmm. uh, surprise of a film. Hmm. Very frustrating. It 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 has a lot going on, and it uh, some of it is really good. Yeah. It's got it's it's got ambition. It wants to be a real fucking it does, film. Yeah. It, you know, some of the cinematography in Pet Cemetery, which is a a prequel to the remake. Let's be clear. Right. This is a prequel <laughs> to uh, the, the 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 wrong Pet Cemetery. Right. Um, but it's a film with ambition. It's a film. With, some of the cinematography in it is lovely. Yeah, it's great. I think the acting is really good. The performances in it. are terrific. Yes, the mm-hmm. casting is great. All of the mm-hmm. all of the bits that aren't the that aren't the, f- the film itself and the story <laughs> are great. Right. I don't know if you picked up on a couple of the same bits as me, right? But when we talk about cinematography, when we talk about kind of um, telling the story visually, uh, it, it the, the film fleshes out some of the, 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 the events that are alluded to in in the original, in fact, the, the old, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the Native American burial ground, the, 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 uh, kid coming back from vietnam and being buried in the pet cemetery by his dad now there's mm-hmm. a wonderful the, the it was the first bit of the movie that made me prick up my ears and go oh something's going on here tim a right the kid who's been brought back from yeah. the dead by the wendigo there's mm-hmm. a the, the first time we see him he's talking to judd and his other mate from behind a screen door yeah a mesh screen door and there's a kind of a scratch a mark on the screen door which looks exactly like a fucking bullet hole in his forehead did you spot that? Mm, no, I didn't. And that's oh. funny because I did post that picture on my you Instagram. You did. <laughs> it, the shot lasts like three, four seconds. So it's clearly intentional. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of a stain on the mesh and it just looks like a fucking a, a wound right in the middle of his head. And it's and I knew right then this was, it's it's, it's coming to the something. fucking party. Yes. Yeah. Um, and there were there were other bits like that. There's uh, the shots of Judd's dad on the porch drinking beer. Yeah, his with shadow. the shadows. Oh, yeah, I love that you so saw that good. too. Beautiful, mm-hmm. clear. His shadow self is on display. It's fucking mm-hmm. yes, it's going for it. However, um, it it promises so much, but it just it doesn't deliver on anything that it promises. Um, yeah, it doesn't have any kind of spatial continuity i would say for lack mm. of a for i'm struggling to find the term there's no clear sense of place in the film yeah you know we we jump from one bit to another and we don't know how we got there the 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 end of the film takes place in like a, a subterranean network of tunnels right yeah which is literally <laughs> what, what is never this? even fucking hinted that this might exist or why right. it's there um it it relies on a lot of shitty old tropes like you know the creaky fucking bone guy, mm-hmm. and out of nowhere they do that thing where the film looks like it's been sped up, over cranked, mm-hmm. to to give this illusion of like otherworldly movement, and it just looks shit. Um, but really disappointing. And it ends very abruptly, it in does. my opinion. I was kind of like, oh, oh. now hang on. Oh, okay. I don't <laughs> think it did end abruptly. I think it dovetailed with modern pet cemetery beautifully because you've got all the yeah. 
I let me... I just felt like it happened fast. It's not so much yeah. that it's like, oh, that was the wrong way to. Yeah. It was like, oh, oh, okay, we're here now. Which <laughs> I think is a, is a symptom <laughs> of that lack of kind of cohesiveness to the yeah. to the to the kind of physical kind of sense of the film. Yeah, but, I think you're right there. Um, let me. I fucking adore Pet Cemetery, right? Of mm. of all of Uncle Steve's huge body of work. Pet Cemetery is one I remember going back to again and again and again. I oh, nice. love it. I mm-hmm. love Pet Cemetery. I love the mythology of it. I love that the town has good and evil competing. There's there was a line in this prequel, in fact, that I loved. It speaks the the you know the presence is hungry and it speaks to people that it knows will feed it. Oh, mm-hmm. that's the fucking <laughs> stuff. Um, and I love how in Pet Cemetery, you know, the good manifests itself as that student with a busted head. Right. You know. I, I love Pet Cemetery. It's great. So the way this movie ends with Judd on his porch. Huh, okay, f- let's not sorry. give away oh, uh, how no, this no. ends. Look, you know how that's how it ends because that's what <laughs> well, Pet Well, I guess, Cemetery yeah, because we obviously, <laughs> yes. we're, it's a prequel. So I yes. guess that's fair. <laughs> ends with Judd on his porch as a fucking articulated lorry barrels past the house. I thought that was right, great. Yeah. yeah. Right? See? For sure. A prequel to the remake of Pet Cemetery shouldn't it should just be piss it should just be easy to disregard right yeah but, totally but this film wasn't it 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 mm-hmm. it had fuck it the seeds were all there man all of the fucking pieces were there for something really really cool um but it got in its own way and it didn't didn't work yeah agreed but yeah i mean it's again it's one of those ones though where i didn't hate it like mm. there was so much that I did enjoy about it yeah, before sure. it kind of went sideways that you know I have an affection for it anyway. Yeah, I I, I like that it exists and I and I like that it wasn't just piss. It wasn't Pet Cemetery three, you know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Does that even exist? Is there a Pet Cemetery three? I don't think so. Is there? There's a Pet Cemetery two, which I which I never there bothered with. There is a Pet Cemetery two, obviously. Or am I thinking of like Children of the Corn? There's a whole bunch of them, isn't there? Oh yeah. There's a load of them. Makes, there's no reason there should be a bunch of paging Anna Martin. Paging Anna Martin. There are loads I think, of Children of the Corn movies. I feel like Anna has done this or is going to do this because we watched a Children of the Corn for mm. um, a scream and chat, which means therefore Anna. Yeah. Has so to. she's aware of it. So yeah, if she yeah, the Corniverse. <laughs> the Corniverse. <laughs> but no, I don't know how many pet cemeteries there are. I know there's at least two and this. Tell you what, the the remake. The the most heinous fucking crime it committed was it dared to end on a cover of the fucking Ramones song. Oh, <laughs> oh you fucked up. You done fucked up, son. Uh, I know. That's, it's a song that can't be improved upon. Absolutely. So That's, again, leave it alone. I love the book and I love the original movie. And I'm, I'm certain I've said this time and time again on the cast, but the, that cruel ending... And mm-hmm. then just smashing to that fucking banger of a track. Just a great film. Right. Agreed. Mm. <laughs> well, now that we have discussed all of those. Yes. Segway. Segway. We're on the same track. We're still talking about movies. Mm. Like I said, uh, Sam had pitched to us this this conversation to have about what constitutes horror and how do we decide what is and isn't. And he said that this came from a conversation in which uh, their friend Matt, who I believe we have both met before, um, had said that, had asked if Mad Max, the original Mad Max, was a horror movie. Mm. 
Uh, and Sam's response was no, but I can't totally explain why. Mm. <laughs> I just know it isn't. Um, and I thought that was like fascinating. We were kind of discussing a little bit. We're like, no, it's not, you know, sci-fi dystopia, sure. Uh, but it's not a horror movie. For the for the record, I'll start off by disagreeing with... You think it is? Not Mad Max, but Alien. Oh, okay. You don't think Alien is a hard, horror no, movie? No, I absolutely think it is. Whereas I, oh, I that's, think... We said that. We said it's a horror movie. I think Sam didn't, though. I think Sam was leaning more oh, really? towards it being as a sci-fi with horror elements. I disagree. I think it's a pure, oh, straight no, up... Fuck, absolutely it's fucking... It's a slasher movie in space. It's, a, it's, it's clearly right. a horror film. But why... Right. Like, this is what's so fascinating about this conversation. And one of the things that, you know, as we talked a little bit about it in um, the chat, was that horror is partly a feeling. It's not just a genre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it when you see it. I looked at a few websites just, you know, before this to see, like, what are different ways that people define horror? And a lot of it was pretty much the same kind of basic thing, which is uh, the the definition I liked the best came from Studio Binder, which seemed to kind of summarize these things. And the Mm. first sentence of it is basically what everything says. Horror is a genre of storytelling intended to scare, shock, and thrill its audience. Mm. And it goes on, horror can be interpreted in many different ways, but there's often a central villain, monster, or threat that is often a reflection of the fears being experienced by society at that time. Mm -hmm. This person or creature is called the other, a term that refers to someone that is feared because they're different or misunderstood. Uh, This is also why the horror genre has changed so much over the years. As culture and fear changes, so does horror. Um, Which I think is I don't disagree with any of that. Yeah, yeah, really nice. Yeah, right? Like, those are all absolutely true. Um, They go on a biff it, I think, though, because for some reason they decide to try to distinguish a horror film from a thriller film specifically. Mm. And I think this will get into kind of what, uh, you know, why... It's partly a feeling and things like that, too. They said, well, the two genres are often confused. There's a clear difference between horror and thriller movies. Horror movie rules demand violence and a monster that appears early and relatively frequently. The climax revolves around a final fight or an escape from the monster. The monster in horror is typically unnatural or even supernatural, whereas thrillers tend to rely on human threats. In a thriller, there is much more mystery and discovery. Tensions rise, the protagonist gets closer to discovering the evil threat. The climax revolves around a big reveal, such as the true intentions of the villain. The two genres can blend, of course, such as the modern horror thriller Get Out. Something like Halloween might also be considered a crossover since the killer is human, Mm. but he exhibits supernatural abilities, like how he never seems to die when he's killed. So parts of that make sense to me, right? Like, absolutely, there's, you know... These things blend and all that kind of stuff. But I take issue kind of with the idea that there has to be sort of the supernatural element to it. Um, And that like that even we need to see the monster early and often or anything like that. I think you can absolutely have something where you don't. Um, and, And like so one of my favorite genres of horror, of course, is the home invasion where does that stand yeah. in that kind of definition, right? That's a very yeah. human threat. What right? was the movie that we saw last week with Fassbender? Um, Eden Lake. Yeah, Eden Lake, right? Like kids. <laughs> that it's is. Kids. Tell me, that's not a horror movie. One hundred percent. But a it's just movie. kids. It's yeah. asshole kids. Yeah. You know. I mean, I, it, you're right. That's that's biffed it. Beautiful term, by the way. Never hear that before. Um, oh, <laughs> nice that, cultural exchange. Yeah, that description feels way too prescriptive. It's it's. 
it's not that clear cut. It simply isn't that straightforward. Right. So I think, you know, the first part of that, the idea of scaring, shock, or thrilling the audience, that it's interpreted multiple ways, got a central villain monster or threat, um, that there's sort of an other, and that it speaks to the fears of society. Mm. Absolutely. uh, Makes sense. But how is it that we kind of, like, come to these conclusions, right? Like, why do we know that uh, some movies are horror and some aren't? Uh, I enjoy a great deal those movies that dance on the edge oh absolutely you know and just as a just before getting to that because i think you know that's a huge thing one of the other questions that like or you know examples sam put forth was like war movies right that are like super violent yes um and you've got villains and you know all that kind of stuff but like nobody watches a world war ii movie or like a whatever movie and is like this is a horror movie yeah apocalypse now is not by any stretch a horror movie but right you it's go horrific. down that fucking list it ticks a lot yeah. of those boxes you've got you know a a a, 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 a force of fucking uh, another uh, mm-hmm. You know, a reveal of characters' motivations. You've got a fucking right. a, gri- a gribbly in the background. It it's certainly got a... speaks to society's fears at the time. Beautiful, yes, but it ain't a horror movie, mate. No chance. Right. Yeah. What would like? And that's such an interesting thing to think about. Like when it's like, oh, if you were to write a checklist, yes, that's a horror film. But yeah. horror is a feeling yeah. as much as it is, you know, a. Uh, a straightforward genre that you can list characteristics of um and so yeah you're saying like some of the things that kind of cross that like boundary a little bit those are interesting your is 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 this one of the reasons why it's a lifelong passion for the two of us because Mm. you know you can you know you know when you're watching a (laughs) rom-com you know you know when you're watching a police procedural or a fucking, mm-hmm. you know, or a martial arts movie, for example. They, and these are just off the top of my head, but they are checklist stuff. You can tick those boxes. Right. You know where you are. But mm-hmm. because horror is a vibe, yeah, horror, you, you, it's very different. Very difficult. It's a different kettle of fish completely. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't quantify a vibe. You can't catch a vibe, mate. You can't right, yeah. read and and file and categorize vibes, which is one of the great things about horror. You can drop bits of horror into stuff, making it more horrific, but mm, not mm-hmm. necessarily giving it the entirety up to the genre. Yeah, Doctor absolutely. Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, right? Right, yeah. Soaked, soaked in horror. Not a horror movie. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And there's things like I will sort of joke that there are movie or things like that because they have those conventions and yet we still understand that's not what they are. I was thinking about like some movies that like I say are horror, even though they're not, um, but that have something of a vibe to them. Like one of them, I think a lot of people would agree with is Return to Oz. Have you seen Return to Oz? Oh, my God. Yes. And one I've, of one of I've the scariest movies I've well, ever seen in my it's life. Horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. <laughs> it is just as scary yes. when you are a grown ass adult as yeah. it is when you were a child. That was not intended to be a horror movie. Like that is that's a children's adventure movie. You know, it is I'd like part... to know a little bit more about who some of the people were who worked on that. 
sure, yeah. Uh, what their CV looks like, what their rap sheet looks like. <laughs> yeah. Because what else I, they I don't necessarily believe you when you say that's not intended to be a horror movie. It it has to have been intentional. They must have known that shit. <laughs> the, they they well, knew the vibe. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I think the thing about Return to Oz is that it's supposed to be unsettling right like yeah, uncanny and i've seen other like say um there are versions of like alice in wonderland mm. for example that are also like deeply unsettling mm. um that like again you wouldn't really call it a horror movie but the way that things are presented to you are so you know uncanny they're so disquieting yes um that like it plays to you as horror. The one that had Tina Majorino in it, for example, like freaked the shit out of me when mm. I was in middle school. Uh, Return to Oz bills itself as a dark fantasy film, uh, which I think is part of, you know, like that's its own thing, dark fantasy yeah. in and of itself. Um, and yeah, I don't think I, I've never heard of it's directed by Walter Murch, no. who did uh, worked on Apocalypse Now. Uh, Godfather, right? American Graffiti, The Conversation, Ghost, English, English Patient. Uh, Holy shit, that's not legit. the director of them, but worked on them. Yeah, uh, mm. but nothing, nothing there that's really horror uh, in in that real sense. Uh, so yeah, I think that I think yeah, it's like it's dark fantasy or whatever. But I don't think anyone on that was like we're making a horror movie, mm. um, and yet the vibe is so unsettling when you're watching it. Mm. Um, it's just because there's not really like there isn't a ton of like actual violence in it. There's certainly the threat of violence. Yeah. Um, you know, you feel unsafe. You know, when that watching it, were any of those fucking griblies to grab you, it would be a really bad time. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. There's always that that threat of of violence and terror mm. in that movie. But while none of it is actually really visited upon anybody, um, I always say anything with a submarine is horror. <laughs> you know claustrophobia you're sort but of again that just gives you know that just lends credence to what i was saying earlier on about it because i i i could watch submarine movies all day and but well, i couldn't <laughs> fuck no but yeah, i was like would you i, I certainly wouldn't that. feel as though i was watching a horror movie if i was watching you know um hunt for red october or something like that that's that's <laughs> you you're bringing the horror yeah like i think you know anything where you're kind of at the your your gribbly is basically just sort of yep. the the claustrophobic nature of having no way out and being mm. trapped, you know. Um, I also always say Home Alone 2 is a horror movie. It is incredibly dark uh, in which extremely violent things are visited upon people as the main character is stalked by two yeah. uh, unrelenting uh, murderers they want to actively murder they do. this child. Home Alone 2 completely excuse the kind of the, the fun violence, the slapstick of the first one. Right. It? It's an altogether yeah. murkier affair. Exactly. It is so much darker than the first movie is and feels much more visceral in its violence and the and the nature of that threat. Again, yeah, the threat yeah. feels... Throughout Home Alone, you don't know that they want to kill him <laughs> until they, they hang the him up they on the wanna, door. They yeah, they just want to rob the house. They hang bag. him on the door and they threaten to eat his fingers and you're like, oh, they... They act yeah, there is peril, but you don't know that in the first one. Where the second one, they spend the entire movie trying to murder a child. Well, take the Goonies, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. 
we are told in no uncertain terms the Fratellis are killers. We see mm-hmm. corpses that they have left in their wake. These right. are murderers. But, you know, they we get invested in the thrill of the chase. Yeah. They're always one step behind the crew. You know what I mean? They're always kind of on mm-hmm. their tails, snapping at their heels. But these guys are fucking organized criminals and murderers. They will kill right. Chunk if they catch him. Yeah. They won't right. make him do the fucking truffle shuffle. They'll fucking put two <laughs> in the back of his head. Yeah. And I, I, fe- I feel that watching The Goonies. Yeah, That's absolutely. one of those films that I was astounded at on revisiting it as an adult of, of yeah. how close it sails to horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's something in about like, it's maybe it's the direction, like maybe almost misdirection, but that's the thing is like when you're watching it, especially when you're not casting sort of a critical eye or whatever yeah. onto the movie yeah. that you are directed, you're focused. The movie tells you to focus on the adventure and not on that peril for the most of the runtime you are like you know there's this looming threat or whatever but ultimately Mm. you know your eye is pointed at the adventure that this entails as opposed to like we're going to get murdered by serial killers you know there's this concept of of uh the unfamiliar and the other these kids are plunged into Mm -hmm. a fucking world that they they can't really deal with the way that sloth is introduced there's the, right. uh, out of nowhere there's this air quotes monster what the fuck mm-hmm. where did that come from it shocks you that's yeah. a huge horror trope yeah what was interesting though is in one of the articles that i was reading um it talked about uh et right and oh, how yeah. we yeah, don't yeah, read yeah, yeah, et yeah, 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 as yeah. horror and one of the reasons for that is like he is a monster he's an other but the way in which we are introduced to him or or he's developed indicates to us that He's a friend, right? That, like, even though this is an other that, like, theoretically you should be terrified of, and initially, you know, you kind of have that response, mm. um, you know, we, it is not a horror because we are given the indications that we are to identify with him as now, opposed there's to a movie be scared of that him. wouldn't work in 2023. Wouldn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Fuck no. I never rewatch it because it was traumatic to me to watch. I went and saw it in the theater when they re released it, and I was like, this is like sad and scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't really remember what wouldn't work now, aside from just it was too much for me. Was, was that the version where they uh, fucking clone brushed out the guns? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. See, I, I like didn't have like a memory of it from before. I was like sixteen when I saw it when they re-released it. So, uh, I if they did do that, I didn't <laughs> notice. Uh, but it was terrifying. It is it, well. It, yeah, it is. It is, and until until ET's true nature is revealed to us, he's a fucking mm-hmm. monster. Right. All that in the yeah. torchlight. Um, and that's. I mean, you kind of get that with like sloth as well. Like yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. oh, that's it's a terrifying same, monster. Same. But yes. we are given then the cues that like actually we are misunderstanding ah, this monster, and he's yep, not yep, 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 actually, yep. you know, the the villain or the source of the horror here, which then changes. If he remained a monster, we'd have a That's horror a, movie we, on yeah, our hands. Yeah, 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 but yeah, 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 of course. Because our, you know, our monster is not. <laughs> it is no longer a horror film. It's an adventure, despite the murderous people, criminals mm. who are after our dear main characters. But you uh, know it when you, it, you just you know it when it's a horror film, don't you? You know what. Right. And, 
and it's it's no one thing mm-hmm yeah I think that's like ultimately what it comes down to that's so interesting is like yeah there's a lot of things that you could call a horror movie but you just deep down in your soul no no they aren't or even ones that are like it like jaws for example is horror you film. know considered a horror movie yes um I think the way that I watch it I have I would not on my own have called that a horror movie, but it's pretty well established that it is, like, yeah. you know, that most people have the sense that this is this is a horror movie. Um, and it certainly has those kinds of conventions, but that can be like an iffy thing too. like sometimes uh, take something like the menu um, is another sort of example of this. Like, is the menu a horror film uh, once it got there's to, case. you know, there's a case. Yeah, once it got to the point where, you know, you get the mess in that mm. movie, all of a sudden I was like, oh, this is horror. Mm. But you could absolutely say it's not. <laughs> you could say, you know, this is a thriller, a drama, a dark comedy. One that I saw um, recently that I'd, that I'd love your views on. Mm. Horror or not horror, Silence of the Lambs. Ooh. See, yeah, this is where you've got that, like, that thriller, yeah. horror line, right? A but procedural... You've got versus... a couple of Gribblies in there. Yeah, you do. You know, you've, um, you've got unfamiliarity. You've got a world that you're plunged into that you can't rationalize. Right. Yeah, it's a vibe because I instantly think, yes, of course that's a horror movie. Mm. Um, and certainly like Red Dragon, you would never argue isn't a oh, horror no, movie or things like, like that's clearly a horror movie. At the same time, the Silence of the Lamb has more of the conventions of like a traditional procedural detective exactly. thing. But the vibe... Good, is absolutely it? horror it, it, the threat horror adjacent mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i think this is a fascinating question and you know i'm very curious what like people listening how you Same. define it as you know what is what vibe sells you that something's horror what's something that people think of as horror that is that you would say isn't or vice versa yeah um you know how do you how do you explain it to other people because yeah, I think, like, that also contributes to the fact that, like, sometimes people will be like, oh, I don't like horror movies. And you're like, well... Describe one for me. Don't you? Yeah, yeah like... I bet you okay, do. Okay, but do you like, do you like you do. Jaws? Yeah, Do yeah, you yeah. like Home Alone 2? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It, it is such a inherently broad genre where I think kind of how you were talking before about, like, any other kind of... Uh, genre you have your like standard things yeah. that kind of and your maybe, beats that have to be hit maybe i'm being know? dismissive of yeah you know, sure i mean of the course they're buddy road trip genre i don't fucking right know. there's I'm... range yes. within these things yes there's but... room to play um but you know what you're watching most of the time mm. like where i think horror just by its nature um means so many different things depending on like that definition said like what where society is at a moment what we're afraid of yeah. at this particular time yeah. um, who is our other what is our other things like that and it's it feels to me as though it's some there there are quite a few trojan horse horrors mm -hmm. that you don't even know you're in a fucking horror film until i mean get out is one of those yeah absolutely a horror film like of course but <laughs> right. not for the first third or so, it ain't. Yeah, yeah, It, it almost kind of lures you in. dark comedy. And then, yeah. baha, you're in a horror film. I like mm -hmm. that a lot. I, I enjoy the yeah, kind of same. subterfuge of that. Yeah, which is kind of what I'd say for the menu as well. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, You've yeah, got yeah, just yeah. kind of a dark comedy, and then all yep. of a sudden, that's like, oh, fuck, this is 
Yep. This is horror. Um, yeah, I like that bait and switch mm-hmm. to it, which is fun. Mm, very nice. Uh, which you just don't have. You can't do that with a rom-com. You can't do that with yeah. a fucking... <laughs> what bait and switch are you going to pull got... on a rom-com that's not going to piss your audience off? Oh, imagine it. You pay, you pay to see a fucking <laughs> horror film and then Drew Barrymore walks out. Uh, fuck. Well, I mean, she is in Scream. Oh, she is, isn't she? Right. I, <laughs> I, hey, all right. Here's the fucking cat amongst the pigeons. I don't think Scream's a horror film. Fuck you. <laughs> now you are just being contrarian. Uh, it's not a horror film. It's a film about horror films. Uh, this, is another, this is a conversation for another day. It's been so long <laughs> regarding itself in the mirror and talking about horror films. It forgets oh, to God, be an actual horror film. Here we go again. Film. There you go. Oh, Lord. Fucking snack on that, Screamheads. <laughs> Once again, Mark insists on being wrong, but let us know what you think uh, defines horror and what its boundaries are. Mm. Is there more than just a feeling or is it a vibe? And let us course, know on all the socials. We're using horror as a very broad term. We are. Horror, of course, has subgenres and genres within genres. Mm-hmm. And as always, like we said earlier on in this episode, we plant the seeds, you guys water the plants talk to us <laughs> let us know what you think let us know when have you been surprised to find holy shit i'm watching a horror movie uh, mm. when have you been surprised to find hang on i thought i was watching a fucking horror movie talk to <laughs> us because we are as always hey oh ding 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 it's last orders at the joag tavern Ooh, get him yeah, in the serving get in, kids. wench has drained the last drop from the barrel uh stay spooky <laughs> Uh, Amazing. Uh.